Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every second and fourth week of the month, we interview thought leaders, experts, or top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. So hello everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. Uh, today I'm super happy to have here with me a person that I'm super interested and excited to talk with uh, because she has a really good and perfect sales experience. She is a top performer and she's also like always hitting and over exceeding her quotas. So welcome please everyone to Sarah Bracer. Happy to be have you here. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, really. Thank you for, for your time. Um, as I mentioned, I was really excited to talk to you because I first like start reading a little bit what you were doing in, in LinkedIn. It kind of really got my attention how you were like explaining a lot of sales um, techniques as well as sales experiences that people have from different areas of, of the sales, let's say, world. And I was really, really happy to, to have you over. So I would ask you if you could just like introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, and then we can jump into the topic of today's. Yeah, totally. So my name is Sarah Brazier. I work at a company called Gong, and I am a sales development rep there. Uh, basically what that means, if you use BDR or SDR or whatever kind of XDR. Um, for us at Gong, a sales development rep is uh, someone who does outbound prospecting. So um, when I first joined the company, I was working um, uh, small business accounts, uh, prospecting into, you know, companies of, you know, one to 250 employees. And then I moved into a mid-market role and now I work enterprise accounts. So the companies that I prospect into are between 1,000 and 7,500 um, employees. And my target uh, persona that I really try to have a conversation with is a VP of sales, a director of sales, a head of sales, anybody who's got a sales title and sometimes enablement. Um, so that's sort of what I do. And um, yeah, is, is that good? Is that what you need? <laughs> that's actually perfect. I mean, that, that's exactly what I need uh, you to be sharing with us today. And also about... You know, I, I also got my attention, uh, your YouTube channel, where you're like talking with some people that know um, how the experience in SDR being a BDR is about and how they want to just go further in their career, right? Rather if it's really in sales or if it's like in other different departments, such as marketing, HR, um, I don't know, sales enablement and so on. Um, so let's just start by you telling us a little bit of the story of how did you decide to start as an SDR, BDR? so that we can get a bit of context of the story. Yeah, totally. I, I don't know if I decided that I was going to be an SDR. I don't know if that was like, you know, the, the aspiration that I had in life. Um, the reality was that I was living in San Francisco and working as an actor, but as an actor, um, you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> right. unless, unless you're Angelina Jolie, it's, it's pretty challenging uh, to have a, like a good income. So I had a survival job. I do survival jobs, actually. I was working as a barista, and I um, ended up working as the front desk girl of a startup called Optimizely. And um, 
I took this uh, front desk job because I knew that Optimize they had free lunches and they had lots of snacks and I thought man I'm so I don't have enough money to buy food on a regular basis I was that kind of poor um right. so I was like well I'll uh, I'll I'll work here and then I'll be fed forever um <laughs> typical so I, right when like the big basket of fruit arrives and you're like there like oh whew, yeah I got my I got food for the day Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was like. So yeah, so I'd wake up at like four in the morning and jog down to the train station uh, and then, you know, open the coffee shop at 4.30, uh, work there till 9.30, then head out at, uh, head out to Optimizely, get there at 9.45, had 15 minutes to shower change, and then I'd work the front desk from 10 to 5. And then from there, I would head out to rehearsal um, for whatever play I was in, or I'd go out to auditions in the evening. So um, at, at, you know, I was, I was doing this job and I was thinking, man, like there's gotta be a better way. Like I'm so poor and I have aspirations to be things other than poor. And I don't know if I, I don't, I just felt like I was, I was burning time and, and losing an opportunity to really build out my resume. Right. Uh, because if, if theater doesn't work out, if being an actor doesn't work out, which like it was working, I was getting jobs, but it wasn't getting me paid. I was right. like, well, gosh, I, I need to figure out something that that will look good on my resume. So I started interviewing everybody at the company that came by the front desk. I'd just say, oh, hey, you know, what do you do? What's your job? Can you tell me more about that? And started making friends with them, asking them out to coffee. And that's when I met this guy named Jim Jones who was uh, heading up some of the enablement programs at Optimizely. And he said, you should think about sales. I said, oh, okay, sure. I've been told that before. I'll, I'll do that. What do, what do I need to do? And he's like, well, you have to read this book. So he gave me a book sell is human. I read that and I told him I read the book. He was like, okay, great. You read the book. Uh, here's a list of companies that I know people. Find out who has a job openings. He's basically teaching me how to prospect for a job right. um, and do my research about the job. Uh, he, was, he was doing it in a very sneaky way, but he introduced me to some SDRs and I spoke with them and it seemed like the only way that I could really truly get a job job was in tech was to first enter as an SDR because the barrier to entry was so low. Um, you, you just, you just need to be able to sound like a human on the phone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be able to like string some sentences together to make, you know, a compelling, it's, it's far more than that I've learned, but at the time I was like, okay, well, if I can talk pretty, I can write pretty, I'm fine. Um, and nobody else needs me to be anything else. But my other jobs were like middle school teacher and right. you know nonprofit um, social media. So so yeah, so I interviewed for an SDR job and I and I got the position. I worked at that company for a couple months and then I I moved over to Gong and and really Gong was where everything clicked for me. Um, so yeah, that is the story. That's a very long-winded story of how I made it into the wonderful world of startup land and sales. No, it was that, that's actually great because I've been, I've been hearing a lot of SDRs and BDRs that ended up in that role without knowing what they wanted or where, what they were actually going to do or even if they were going to like it, right? I, yeah. I mean, it's also my case. I arrived there because I was trying to find a job and no matter what, because I had like one month before I had to find a job in Germany. Otherwise I needed to go back to Mexico. Right. So I was like, no matter what, just bring it up to me. Like I'm going to take it. And I think that you mentioned like being an actor and, and I think having the, the, the you know, you, you speak good. You, you have like a perfect voice in terms of like, you, you are easy to talk to. Right. 
And I think that could have also like had an impact on, as you mentioned, like sometimes picking up the phone and talking to someone. Um, I think sometimes it's nicer for other people that, to hear a nice voice, right? And to hear like a nice um, attitude as well. Yeah, totally. I think being, you know, when you, when you work in theater, you, you do a couple things. You work on the technique of how do I support the breath? How do I move right. air through my lungs to make my voice sound nice? Because there's the right way to talk and there's the wrong way to talk. Literally, we can talk down on our vocal cords and cause vocal fry. Um, you know, we have a mask of our face. And so where we place the sound in the mask of our face, where we, where we pull the reverberators, you know, you've got them in your chest, you've got them in your lower back, you've got them on your forehead, the mask of your face, where you're pushing the sound. Uh, it can all change the way you sound. And we all talk one specific way. That's kind of right. how we're born and raised to speak. But you can manipulate it. I mean, that's how, I mean, you speak multiple languages and if you think about where you play sound when you speak French it's like in the back of your throat versus English especially if you're speaking American English it's definitely really forward it's kind of in your nose no Um, that's really true and so uh like in theater we learn about that you know just about the technique of sounding good and then we also learn about and it's not just how you sound it's also your pacing your tempo your pitch your inflection the duration of your pauses and that, that's actually really good because I used to speak really fast, you know, when I ever start, I was nervous. And then I was like, I don't know, I was like, blah, 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 blah. and I, even in Spanish, um, that, that's the language I was actually prospecting and it was super fast. And I got so, so many feedback of like, Anna, you have to pace and you have to slow down and, and make pauses. And once you really nail that, you realize it's completely different how you're going to like get a response and people are more like willing to listen to you or like okay this is different because I don't have a salesperson like in my hair saying like oh I'm gonna pitch you something in like 20 seconds first you try to understand like the prospect right exactly yeah and uh, like in that same I mean I think it's fascinating but if you think about you know so so we know the technique of where the sound needs to be placed but also what ends up happening is if we're nervous or we're feeling some kind of emotion emotions manifest themselves in our body like right you don't you don't just feel emotions in your brain and in your thoughts they they live inside our bodies there's a mind body connection that happens correct you need to have called body literacy is what we talk about in theater well i call it body literacy i don't know if everybody else does but it's where you can literally read your body so you say huh I notice you can uh, often we we uh, broadcast an emotion before we are actually fully aware of it. So mm. Think about if you're nervous or if you're anxious or you're waiting in the you're waiting in the hospital room. You you the anxiety will build up until it gets to a point where you're like, oh, actually, I'm I'm anxious sitting here. Huh, that's interesting. Right. So you know, in theater, you have to create emotions. You sort of have to reverse engineer it. You get really good at paying attention to what your body is doing in an emotional state so that you can do what you know, you, we call it physical recall, where I'm on stage and I'm experiencing an emotion. So, you know, I could either think back to a time that I felt sad. You know, if I'm, if I'm experiencing sadness, I can go back and I can, like, oh, you, you know, the time my grandma died, I felt really sad. Let me try to imagine that and get sad on stage. Well, that takes me out of the moment. And so I can't be sad or, or I'm going to be sad in the wrong kind of way. versus if I think about what did my body do when I was sad well sadness starts with the breath it's a shallow breath right and it's and it it's here in my chest and I I'm not actually I'm breathing but I pause at the top and I usually come inward my shoulders come inward my shoulders come up because sadness 
that kind of tendency involves some fear to I'm protecting, you know, I'm protecting my, my middle. And then, you know, where does, where do tears manifest? They also thing and itching behind my nose. I feel like in, in my eyes, I feel it. Uh, my ears actually pull back. I feel pricklies on the back of my neck and suddenly I can put myself in a stage of, I'm about to, I'm about to cry. I'm holding it right. back. I'm about to cry. So I can reverse engineer that. So if I want to have relaxation, well, what is relaxation? Shoulders back, leaned back. I breathe in. There's a pause at the top of the breath and then a, an exhale like a sigh. And right. so if you're ner- so like you can take, which is, you know, all, all stuff for the stage, but you can take that right before you start a call blitz and you say like, how, how do I sound relaxed? Well, let's get my body into a relaxed state. So if I don't like the cold calls, oh, it, everything is tight. Okay, so let's just start with the breath. <sighs> okay, great. Do that Correct. A and you can get on the phone and you can be really relaxed and confident. And you're totally faking it, but you're tricking, you're tricking your body into doing it. And soon, it's actually not that bad being on the phone, right? And, and you're right. I think if we like kind of make our body be connected to the mind and just like be in this mode, a sense of like, I'm going to talk to someone. And sometimes like you can get scared and you pick a phone. It's like, okay, I'm going to get a rejection. And you're already, as you mentioned, like stress and your body gets like super tense rather than just putting a power pose. I I don't know if you heard about it, um, but I had a sales director that one told me like, you have to do a power pose. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, just before the call, just like stand yourself and like rather put your feet on the table or be like, do a power like, oh my God, I'm a superhero. Relax for 30 seconds, feel that power and then take the phone. And that really made a change in my mind, right? Because I was like more like, yeah, I mean, whatever the outcome is, I feel good and I feel okay. And I think that it's also connected with with like empathy and also getting to, to feel what the other person is saying, right? And I've seen it a lot on, on whenever you're like interviewing people at um, Live as SDR, I realized like how they talk to you and how they say things. And then you kind of rephrase what they've said. And then you bring that to, to the attention. And what really like was super interesting for me is like, I believe that whenever you do that on the phone or whenever you do that with a prospect, that also like puts the sense a little bit like down, you know, so that they are, they really feel heard and they want or are more willing to talk and to move forward with whatever it is that we're proposing or talking to them and so on. Yeah, yeah. They, it's, it, it's a tactic to help people feel heard and understood. And it's, it's, you know, we can call it a tactic because in sales, it's like, oh, what are the tactics? What are the techniques we're getting to make yeah. them do what we want? But I don't I think it's just called being human. I mean, humans are social creatures. Before we ever had sales, we were animals who needed to work together in order to rise to the top of the food chain. It's crazy. Like humans are, we can arguably say they're the top of the food chain. They're the most powerful animals on the planet. Right. Um, but we didn't get there because we had the sharpest claws and the fastest legs. We got there because of our ability to work together. Now, if I want someone to work with me to achieve a common goal, then we have mm-hmm. to have compromise and empathy. So that's where all of these, we're just getting back to like literally the most human basic instinct of right. when you're trying to get someone to do what you want them to do, you know, take a meeting, whatever, you, nobody wants to, no, everyone wants to be autonomous. They want to feel like you're on the same side. Right. And, and so you think about it, it's like, I'm selling with you, not to you. Like, how can we do this together? How can we be on the same side of the table? Um, especially as an SDR, we're just trying to, you know, listen, like, 
this is good for you. Like, I, I promise that you'll actually find benefit out mm. of this conversation. And then you can decide if it doesn't make sense. But, you know, help me out by helping you out. Like, let's help each other. And if you think about it that way when you hit the phones, then it, uh, for me, like, rejection doesn't hurt as bad because it's like, well, they're just not ready for me. It's a no for now, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not necessarily like a rejection. I mean, it can happen, of course. You have these people that will always say no or yeah, whatever. Uh, but whenever you arrive there and you really feel that you're helping or accompanying someone, then that really makes makes a click or a difference. Um, but saying this, so whenever like you started um, then at Gong, how did you feel? Did you feel that it was the right job for you um, in that right moment? Or did it take a couple of months for you to say, okay, yeah. I really like it. Yeah, so Gong kind of came across my desk in a in kind of a surprise. Um, at my last company, I, I was struggling a lot to hit quota. I just couldn't figure it out, and I was feeling really frustrated. Um, now, I, I had a manager, then I had a new manager. I went from being totally inbound to being a full outbound SDR with no ramp, no training. Oh, my. You know, and uh, I was like, I... I was like, I feel like on these calls, there should be some kind of, you know, phone tree or something that I can use. Really what I was asking for is when objections come up, what's, a, what's the best response? Yeah. And like, help me understand that. And I, I didn't feel like, well, my manager was not supportive in trying to help me understand the answers to those questions. And I was like, well, this manager is not helping me out. And then, then he didn't want me on his team anymore. So he gave me back to a different manager and then, that manager, you know, left the company. And then for like a quarter, I didn't have a manager at all. And okay. I was like, and I was going from being inbound to outbound to inbound to in, inbound hybrid outbound. Like they kept every month it changed. My quota changed every month. My role changed every month. Okay. I had no consistency around like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I even, how do I even hold this conversation? Oh, I was so frustrated. And I just like, told my mom, I was like, I, I'm just going to start looking for a new job. And a recruiter, there was a recruiter who kept hitting me up and he kept hitting me up. And I was busy trying to hit quota. Yeah. And, and, I sh and I was like, I don't know if I can talk to this guy. Because I had talked to someone from his company a while before and I wasn't impressed. And he was like, just give me, just give me a shot. Give a minute to chat. And I was like, okay, because literally my computer had restarted. <laughs> right. Okay. I have. Uh, okay. I've got five minutes. Bye. I've got which one? Yeah. Well, it's it like I restarted my computer, and it was like thirty-five minutes because it was doing like an update. Okay. Good. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I can talk to I'll me. Talk, yeah. talk to me. What's up? So I talked to him, and he was great. He was a great salesperson. I didn't even realize he was selling to me because I hadn't figured out like what it was to be a yeah. salesperson really. And um, he pitched me. He did it so well. He was like, well, there's this company, there's that company. Oh, wait, I just thought of one. I don't know. It's, I think it's pretty good. L let me just tell you about it. Like he totally pitched it last and right. it was good. It was gone. And I was like, okay, I'll, that company sounds interesting to me. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to them. He's yeah. like, okay, we'll get something set up from now. And he called me back five minutes later. He's like, the hiring manager wants to talk to you. Do you have time? Computer was still restarting, so I said, sure. <laughs> 29, 29 minutes going. <laughs> yeah, so I, I talked to the hiring manager, Peter Robinson. He's fantastic. Um, he now is a, an account executive at Kong, but I'm using the SDR team. And 
he had a similar conversation at the beginning of ours, just like talking about like the, the humanness of sales and right. it was really fascinating. And I thought like, yeah, we're just talking. This guy's not trying to tell me something or anything, but I'm kind of sold on him. He, yeah. He's speaking my language. So he was like, hey, this might be a little like non-traditional, but we're going to a happy hour in, in, in two evenings. I'd love for you to come to the happy hour, meet the team, and then mm -hmm. you can decide from there if you want to interview with us. And yeah, free I, drinks, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I went. It was a happy hour at LinkedIn. And um, I thought the team was amazing. And I yeah. thought, wow, these guys are selling themselves so well. Like either the reality is, is that everyone's super miserable and it's exactly the same way as my last company, but at least they don't know I'm bad at my job. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I was like – or they're as good as they say they are. So I was like, yeah, I kind of want to work here. I, I hope they don't ask for my numbers. <laughs> Not really. Like, like when, they, when I explained the situation, it was like, you know, the reason why I want to work here is because I don't feel supported. And I, I, I feel right. like my gong is all about, it, it's, uh, all about up-leveling your reps. That's like what the software does. I was like, I'd like to come and figure out from the best how to be the best. And like the first day of onboarding, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And it was, it was better than I thought it would be. I thought it would be just okay. And just kind of like getting out of the bad world from my last company. But when I came to Gong, it was like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Right. I have learned so much about sales, such a short amount of time. Um, I was like, yeah, this is, this is a great place to work. And I think maybe you also learned a lot in sales because you were kind of left alone in your previous company, right? So you had to learn by yourself, as you mentioned, so you were like kind of like going from one to the other. And whenever you don't have someone to look after or like um, someone telling you how to do things, rather you have to like find them by yourself. And then when you realize that you're doing something that you like and you also have the support, that's when you say like, okay, aha, then this is something that I really like. So that's, that's actually great. And, and that's what many SDRs and BDRs, I think, out there need to understand, right? It's not only about arriving to a company and just like that's numbers and that's what you have to get, but also having a nice environment uh, wherever you say you're working. Like I also have, I think, the, let's say the luck that I'm in a company where the, the values are super good. The, the culture is really nice. It's grow, growing now bigger. So now like there's a lot more people than before. But I remember those first, I don't know, six months, eight months that I was there as a SDR as well, I loved it. Like I was excited to go to work, you know, and that's when I realized that it was a mixture between the, the, the environment of the company against sales, which is something that I like. But sometimes people realize that it's not exactly sales what they like, and that can open like many different opportunities. Um, yeah. So, in, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of like why I started the Life After SDR, you know, show. I think, um, so when I became an SDR and when I talked to SDRs when I first started, and then as I actually grew to enjoy being an SDR, I realized that the thing that most people, I'd say like 90% of people do when they become an SDR is they think like I did. They're like, I can't wait to not be an SDR. I can't wait to get out of this role. And so like... They want to be something else, but then often what I find is that they realize like, oh, I don't like sales at all. This whole cold calling thing, I still have to do that as an account executive? Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. Right. Um, and so I thought like th the reality is, is that you could be 
a bunch of different things. And, uh, one of our investors is Sequoia, his, and, and the investor, his name is Arl Eschenbach. Um, mm-hmm. He came to our office a couple, a couple months ago when we announced our Series C. I was chatting with him, and he said that you know, he, he talks to MBA students who are you know, finishing their master's in business, and they ask him, you know, what job should I do next? And he says, you should be an SDR because you learn so much about the inner workings of the business. I mean, it is where marketing crosses over with sales and um, you learn about the journey of a customer from top of funnel to close one and beyond. Um, You can learn so much about the functions of a business and you can take that skill set into a myriad of roles that is not necessarily a closing role. So, my thought was just like, I think that there should be some aware awareness around like, Hey, if you hate being an SDR, it's okay. Right. First of all, like, let's take a step back away from hating and let's figure out a way for you to love. Then from there, like if you hit your quota, if you're crushing your quota, you, you get that opportunity to interview for the next role. It doesn't have to be accountable. It could be anything. So how do you do the research? How do you make the connections at the company? How do you set yourself up for success in order to move into that next career? And is it going to be demand gen? Is it going to be sales operations? Is it going to be recruiting? Is it going to be customer success? Because it could be any of those Anything. And it's all about how you leverage your role as an SDR to get into that, that next position. So I just talked to people who did it. I talked to a woman who works in HR, right? Because yeah. She let, yeah. It's great. But, but that's true also what you said, because so many people are like, I, I've, I've known people that were like SDRs and they're like, oh, I don't like it. And they put themselves in this position. Like, I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like it. And mm-hmm. they just like crash and then they go and, and goodbye. Maybe they're trying to find another job and so on. But I think that if you take as well a little bit of, okay, SDR, I don't like it, but why I don't like it, as you mentioned, like what are the areas that are not like nailing to me and maybe talk to other peers or understand how they do it. Um, in order to nail that a little bit better and then leverage yourself as well and say, okay, I've done this. I don't like it, but I've learned this and this and this, and that's what's going to take me to step two. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And yeah. yeah. And, and, well, the thing is, is that if, okay, so you're an SDR, but there's got to be something about being an SDR that you, you don't hate, right? Maybe yeah. you really love using social networking. You love LinkedIn to get your prospects, but you hate cold calling. Well, that's fine. Don't cold call. Double right. down on LinkedIn, right? I, I was talking to, um, I was talking to two different people. Uh, one of them is going to be on one of the, the episodes of Life After SDR coming up pretty soon. His name is Ernest Uwosu, and he's a former NFL football player. Holy. And he now, yeah, and now he leads an SDR team. At there he is. Yeah, yeah. That's and really cool. he was just talking about, like, when he became an SDR, you know, his first quarter he didn't hit, and he was like, it's never going to happen again. And, he, and when you're a professional athlete, you have two options. You either pick something you're really good at, and you double down on making it even better, or you find where the skill gap is missing, and you double down on correcting it. When he was playing football, you know, in high school, then college, then eventually at the NFL, he just realized that he was really strong, stronger than like pretty much everybody else. All the players. And so, and so he just doubled down on getting stronger, right? Well, I was talking about this with um, Scott Ingram, who also has a podcast, and uh, he was mentioned. I mentioned that to him, and he said, "Yeah, I can't remember who he quoted with the statistic, but he was like." It's interesting because 
if you try to close the skill gap of something you're not good at, you know, you try to make that better, it improves you, you know, maybe like 5%. If you double down on getting better at the thing you're really, really good at, you can have like a 5x increase in right. success. So like as an SDR for me, I think that, and I'm learning this more as I'm going through the motions of being an SDR and I'm by no means perfect at it, but you can get better at something if you, if you just find your niche or your niche, depending mm. on how you want to pronounce that word, but you find, right. your, you, find, you find it and you double down on being great at it. So like, there's gotta be something. If you hate being an SDR because you hate making cold calls, that's one thing. If you hate it because it's a grind, that's another thing. That's like a, that's a mentality thing. You can change that by changing the way you think about the job. If you think about being an SDR as the grind, as the job, as like something boring that you have to do, you're doing it wrong. This is a learning opportunity. If you think about it as like, I'm learning how my prospect thinks, I'm learning how CFOs think or CROs think, I'm learning the business, I'm learning skill set that's gonna take me, I'm learning the ins and outs of the business and, and learning that it's gonna take me really far if you think about it that way. Right. Basically a free MBA, if you think about it that way. And then you think about doubling down on the thing that you already know you're good at. Well, if you're really good at LinkedIn, maybe that's an opportunity for you to start a conversation with marketing team and talk about brand and talk about, you know, you know, maybe demand gen, like top of funnel. If you're really good at having conversations, but you don't like closing people, maybe you, but you love being on the phone, maybe customer success is for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you should just like, if you get your brain out of the grind and start thinking about the bigger picture, you might end up really liking SDR after all. That's really true when you say bigger picture because exactly how you how you picture it, it's like an SDR has access to so many different levels and so many different departments. And I think that just getting some people are like maybe afraid or like the SDRs in my company, they're a bit like more junior, you know, like they're they're younger or they don't have a lot of experience. And sometimes they're afraid to go and talk to other people or like ask for experience or, you know, say, hey, can I just join the call as a listener? Because it doesn't mean that you want to be an AE or you want to be a marketing already right away. But you can learn the, the ups and downs of every position. Because sometimes someone can say, oh my God, being a HR or people management is like the best thing ever. And then maybe you go there and you realize it's also not what you like. So I think that that's really important. Uh, whenever you're in a company in SDR position, you can see so much around you and understand business in any kind of level and then decide what you want to do afterwards. So I think that's, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I exactly. agree. Yeah, you agree. <laughs> Great. So uh, just in, in order, like, would you say you could give like an advice to any SDR, BDR that is listening to us right now and says like, okay, I don't want to to be here anymore or I don't like what I'm doing. What would you say to them if, I mean, they're listening, so. Yeah, I just want to know why. Like, I think that that's right. an opportunity for some self-discovery. My first company, I didn't like it because I, I wanted coaching. I wanted support. I wanted help. I knew it wasn't the role of being an SDR that was killing me inside. It was the lack of guidance. And I'm a pretty autonomous human being, I think. Right. Um, if, if you show me how to do it, I don't need to ask twice. I just need you to show me how kind of explain the why behind it. And I, and I wasn't getting the answers that I needed to feel confident on the phones or in my emails or whatever. 
Right. So I found a place that was going to give that to me and I kept being an SDR. So is, is that why you don't like being an SDR? Is it the environment you're with? Do you work with a bunch of jerks or do you work with a bunch of cool people? Like who, who do you work with? Right. What's your manager like? Like I just want to get to the why. And I think for any SDR who's disliking the role, I would really examine why you dislike it and then ask yourself, what needs to change for me to like whatever job? Because for me, you know, I was like, do I need to go back to school? Do I need to get a master's degree? Should I become, I was like, should I become a speech language pathologist? No, I shouldn't. (laughs) Like I just, I like was questioning all of these things and thinking that I had taken my life in a really terrible direction. And then, you know, once I took a step back and I was like, actually, I think I just need to be at a company that fits me more and I fit the company more like where, where it's going to provide the things that I know I need to be successful. Then maybe, maybe it's different or, you know, maybe like really maybe being sales isn't for you. SDRing isn't for you. And, And in that case, you know, what do you like? Are you a numbers person? Should you be going into accounting? Like, right. are, you know, what, what is it that you think you need in order to feel good about your job? But there's probably something that attracted you to sales because you wanted to probably be an account executive. Right. And you became an SDR, but they were like, we're not giving out account executive roles to untenured, non-experienced people. Just really high top of the funnel. So like, you know, why did you take the job in the first place? Why don't you like it? Where's the gap? What did they say? What were they selling you when you said yes to the contract that you're missing now? Like, I think those are, those are some questions. So my advice is self-analysis. <laughs> and that's great. Ask the why question. Cause that brings you everywhere. I mean, if you ask why you could just like, if I, if, if we go into detail and every single thing that you, you wonder, then you can really understand yourself and even answer like the question by yourself. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I mean, for you, what, what do you, how do you see yourself like going in the next couple of years? Do you want to stay at SCR or do you want to go to a different career path? It could be also interesting. Yeah. So for me, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to become an account executive and I'd I'd like to learn how to be a closer. I think that that skill set is invaluable and there's really no other place that you can learn it learn it and master it than you can in a closing role on the sales floor. Um, and then from there, I, I don't know what I'll be. I don't know if I'll go into people like people management, you know, be a people leader, or right. if I would move into, you know, a marketing role because I really enjoy the writing content and developing a brand and, um, you know, that top of funnel connecting with people I, I enjoy. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of options, but for me, step one is get good at closing. That's going to take a couple of years. And then from there, make a move based off of the decisions that I've, or the, the, the things that I've discovered as I've been in a closing role for a while. That's, that's great. So I will actually be like super happy to talk to you in a couple of years when you're great at closing. And then we're going to discuss, how's that bringing you to your next step in the career? That would yeah, be super totally. nice to hear. Yeah, definitely. So, Sarah, again, it was really nice speaking to you. It was really insightful as well. Um, I do think that we, we, we have several things in common in terms of like how to approach to a prospect and, you know, how to understand whatever it is that you are and just not just complain about the situation if something's not going right. Just ask yourself why. And I think that's going to bring us to any answer, right? Yes, exactly. I 100% exactly. agree. So I don't know if people wants to uh, want to be in contact with you, 
talk to you? How can they reach out? Yeah, they should hit me up on LinkedIn, Sarah Brazier on LinkedIn. Um, you can always, if you want to learn about like Gong or anything, you can always hit me up at sarah.brazier at gong.io. Those are probably the two best ways to get in contact with me. Um, I do my best to respond to everyone on LinkedIn, but I don't always. <laughs> <laughs> I was the lucky one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try. I try really hard. Um, but I am a full-time SDR, so I'm prospecting as much as possible. Um, so, yeah, that, those, those would be the best ways to get a hold of me, I'd say. That's great. And, and for, by the way, like, how is LinkedIn working for you? Because I've seen that. It's, like, amazing. Um, are, you, are you happy having that, like, impact in people? Because you do. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I think LinkedIn, I'm still sort of discovering what, right. what the, what LinkedIn is, you know, like I, I think LinkedIn is a fantastic networking tool and it's a great opportunity for me to get in contact with, you know, folks, folks at companies and just kind of pick their brain. Like if you, if you position anything, it's like, would you be open to talking to me about if I should even be prospecting into your company, like if it, there could be a fit, I don't want to waste anyone's time. And if you position is like 15 minutes to figure out if this is a good, good investment of my time and your time or a bad investment, 15 right. minutes is that long. Like if you think about it like that, um, yeah. And LinkedIn's just a great way to get to know people, make connections, find, find new opportunities. Um, so I'm just like discovering all that LinkedIn has to offer. Um, but I, I think that if you're not engaging with content and not posting content on LinkedIn, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because it has resulted in, you know, people reaching out to me to say, Hey, I'd, I'd love to actually learn more about Gong. Can you connect me with an account executive? And that's awesome. It's like my own right. inbound lead channel. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, I have the new inbound. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so just, just for that reason, it's really helpful. And then, yeah, like being on this podcast wouldn't have happened if I was not LinkedIn. So. Exactly. No, yeah. but you really like, I mean, I've heard, I've heard also about you with some like peers that are following you. So to everyone listening, please follow her because like what you post is really insightful and funny sometimes and interesting and everything. So I really, really personally appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing all that knowledge and experiences with everyone. And it was amazing having you today here. As I said, I hope to talk to you and invite you soon. And we're just going to have like so many other different topics to talk about. But for now, I think we should just call it a wrap up. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay. I was, it was great being here. Thank you. No, thank you, Sada. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, you can go to b2bsalespodcast.com to subscribe to the newsletter. You will receive the episode in your mailbox every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. And don't forget to follow the episode on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And finally, if you know someone who could like that episode, feel free to share it.